Well, welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. This is season two, episode three, and today we're going to talk about the new Tom Hardy show called Taboo. I'm your host, Tom. Uh, In case you're new, because this is a live stream and it's my first live stream, but in case you're new, uh, Small Scale Life is a weekly podcast and blog dedicated to developing a sustainable life through gardening, healthy living, frugal living, and having adventures along the way. We strive to always learn, do, and grow. So what the heck am I doing talking about a TV show? Um, I'm trying something new is the answer. I'm simulcasting on YouTube uh, and also recording this for my own uh, podcast for the blog. And I'm trying this whole YouTube live casting thing out. I've done Periscope and um, I'm just giving this whole YouTube thing a whirl. And the other second thing is I'm talking about a TV show. I mean, it doesn't really fit in with gardening and healthy living and frugal living and and well it does kind of deal with adventures because I am all about some adventures and um you know this is kind of a this is a drama and kind of an interesting show so let's talk a little bit about it um I have dis uh disabled the chat for this as I try to figure all of this out I'm still working through the tech so um for this episode I have disabled the chat but I might turn that on Towards the end, we'll see how that's going. But if you know me, you know that I don't give two hoots about celebrities and I don't care about the Hollywood shenanigans. I really don't. I really don't. And um, I pretty much don't watch a lot of TV show. I'm down to like The Walking Dead and uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. My wife watches them on the Home and Garden Network with their uh, Fixer Upper show. And uh, I saw this new show called Taboo pop up and uh, I thought, Hey, let's uh, let's watch that and maybe talk about it. I think that's kind of interesting. So the first episode, episode one, was ep- uh, premiered last week. It's called Shovels and Keys. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, just the gist of the show. It was set in London in 1814, and Tom's Tom Hardy's character is named James Kaziah Delaney. He's been down in Africa for ten years after a shipwreck, and uh, he heard of his father's death and his return to claim his father's estate and his shipping company. So, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting premise. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, There's a lot of characters that were... um, that were introduced in episode one. So let's talk about them for a minute. First of all, you have the matri- uh, the patriarch of the family, Horace Delaney, and he is dead. We see him uh, fairly early in the episode on a, on a cold slab. So uh, Horace Delaney, dead, but hey... That happens. Uh, next up is James Keziah Delaney, and that is Tom Hardy. He is the son, and he gets everything. Uh, we'll find out in the show that he, uh, the will, leaves everything to him. And that does not make his brother-in-law and half-sister, Thorne Gary and Zilpha Gary, very happy. They uh, they were in the pole position with uh, with James Delaney down in Africa and assumed dead, but um, they are now uh, they will not get any of the estate, and that's concerning. We'll talk about that in a few. Uh, another character is Brace. He is the butler, the old uh, Alfred. To um, you know, if you think of James as as Bruce Wayne, uh, Brace will be Alfred. So he is the butler of the estate and was butler and a friend to Horace Delaney. Uh, there's also an old man that pops up and he, um, he has obviously been 
uh, entrusted, uh, he was in trust of the, of the family and their confidence because he is raising one of the Delaney children. Not sure who the father and mother are yet, but uh, there's the old man and the, uh, the Delaney, young Delaney child. We'll hopefully find out more about that as the series develops. We also have Helga von Hinton. Helga. She is the madam of the brothel that has been set up on the docks in the Delaney warehouses. So she is another character that interacts with James in episode one. And then we have Thoit. He is the Delaney lawyer who uh, we meet fairly early in the episode as well. And uh, he tries to uh, he tries to buy the shipping company pretty quickly um, and uh, he's shut down. Um, there's also what I call the Lords, um, the Lords of the East India Company. This is a whole group set up that uh, pretty much, if you know uh, your British history, and, and hopefully we'll talk about that in one of these episodes here, we'll talk about uh, the Lords of the East India Company, and that include, includes the chairman, Sir Stuart Strange. We have seen him uh, play other characters of that period, including, uh, was it Governor Swan uh, from the Pirates of the Caribbean? So he's been around. He's a He's a good actor. Great position for that. Has that aristocratic feel. But he is the chairman of the East India Company, and uh, he's going to be a major antagonist in this. We also have Pettifer. He is the head of the Africa desk. So he's in charge of all the uh, goings-on in Africa. And uh, we have Appleby, who's another East India Company lord. We have Wilton, who is the head of records. And he looks like the quintessential English guy. Uh, on the panel of lords. And finally, we have Godfrey, and he's the minute taker. He's the guy with the pen. What was kind of interesting um, is during the meeting of the with the lords and uh, James Delaney towards the end of the episode, uh, James is talking to each of these lords, kind of talking over them and just pretty much bull rushing them and uh, not taking any of their garbage. But he he does a double take when he sees Godfrey in the corner uh, behind the lords and he kind of does a double take and he's like stares at him and squints his eyes. So there's something about that. I I don't know what it is yet. Uh, my son pointed that out and I was like, oh, yeah, look at that. Huh. So hopefully we'll find out what that means as we go along. Um, let's see the basic plot we have, uh, as we, t- as we said, to start the show, Horace Delaney is dead and he owned a shipping company and then this is his estate, but is it, it has fallen on hard times. Obviously he hasn't shipped anything for a while because his warehouse and offices have turned into a brothel. Uh, James Delaney returns from Africa on the day of his father's funeral. And from there, it turns into uh, the Delaney reunion and business party. And that's episode one, is putting a lot of characters in place and getting the, co- uh, getting the, uh, uh, the plot rolling. So some of the reunions, we have the Delaney lawyer. Uh, they meet, uh, we meet them. Uh, he is talking to uh, the half sister and and brother in law at the funeral, and uh, we have our first interaction with with uh, James. I mean, he was with uh, with 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 James' sister and, and brother in law. He was talking about extra shillings to put the body deeper, so the grave diggers couldn't grave robbers couldn't dig it, and they're like, "Hey, he's deep enough; it's fine." Um, but he's kind of all business, and he talks to uh, to James about potentially selling the uh, the Nootka Sound, 
and uh, outside the bar, uh, outside of the pub uh, at the, re- the funeral reception. Um, so we meet him. We meet uh, James' um, sister and angry brother-in-law. I call him the angry brother-in-law because he just, uh, um, he, uh, he jumps on it right away. He's, he's all over James, doesn't like him right away. And uh, obviously he is, he's a potential, well, he's going to inherit the whole property, the whole estate, and they will be penniless, as he says. So um, we meet them pretty early. And also um, his half-sister's reaction to James stomping into the church, uh, black hat and, and black coat uh, and boots, and and she uh, she kind of does a double take and says that hell has opened, and and out comes James Delaney back from the dead. So um, it was kind of a strange um, interaction. In addition, when they were at the pub, he says whispers in her ear that he still he went to Africa, but it didn't didn't change his love for her. So some things are going on there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, we talked about the family lawyer. Uh, we have the butler, who's kind of like an older butler, uh, older brother to James, who is also a friend and confidant of the, of Horace uh, Delaney. Uh, we have the madam, who um, James lost his virginity to. So he, um, you know, there's there's some history there, and uh, he doesn't take uh, any 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 shit from him. So we have all these players that it's a big reunion and uh, really kind of sets the plot up for the net for episode two. Uh, during the show, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of mysterious references, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Easter eggs that are dropped all over the show. Um, I've, I pulled out, let's see, I've got about 12 of those. So we can talk about them for a minute. Um, yeah. 12. Yeah. Uh, you know, the mysterious references, we have rumors of James Delaney's activities in Africa. Number one, he's been gone in Africa. He was shipwrecked there. Uh, he was on a he was on a slave ship that that went down and somehow he survived. And whatever he did for 10 years in Africa, there's plenty of rumors on the docks and and uh, in in English society that uh, that whatever he was doing was unsavory. And they didn't get into them. Uh, actually, um James' brother-in-law talked about it a little bit. Um, it was kind of hard to follow. I wasn't sure what he was getting at, but uh, we'll find out more. And number two, uh, James says at one point that he is dead. And at another point, when uh, he has uh, his father, uh, they do an autopsy, and the physician that did it was kind of... Uh, kind of getting in getting on him a little bit uh james uh grabs his head and says you know don't mess with the body he knows of the dead and he also says that uh when the physician asks if he you know wants some words said over the body he's like no there's there's nothing there so uh james is well aware of the dead and uh we also see at another point where he's in the morgue and uh talking to the dead and one actually rises um so he's very tuned in with the dead uh number three when james confronts the madam in uh at the docks in their family warehouse uh she says at one point that he makes girls disappear uh, she remembered him, and he makes girls disappear. And uh, and he he was quick to say that he is a very very dangerous man. So um, so we'll see what that's about. I'm sure that will play out. Number four, uh, when James meets the butler at the uh, at the Delaney Mansion or Delaney Estate, 
the butler says that he looks the same. And James replies emphatically that he is not, that he is not the same. So, um, so why is he not the same? We'll have to find out. Number five, James says that he talked to his brother or to his father and he knew, he somehow knew the deepest and darkest family secrets. Uh, you know, James was in Africa for, Africa for 10 years. Uh, the butler was giving him some shit that he wasn't, uh, that he never wrote. But James said, but James knew the darkest and deepest secrets that only the butler knew that, that the father had confided in him. And he knew all the details. So, um, so what, how did he know that information travels very slowly in this, in this age? I mean, it's, it's by courier, it's by a ship captain talking to another ship captain who talks to another person. It's, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't, we don't have the internet or the telegraph or, or even reliable, uh, transportation for that matter back in the day. So how does James know all the family darkest secrets when he hasn't really communicated in 10 years? The butler did say that, uh, his father would light a fire down by the river and face Africa and call out to him. And James said that he could hear him. And also the butler said that his father would speak into the go into the fire and talk to the ghosts there in strange uh, crow like um, words. And, and uh, it didn't seem to phase James at all. I mean, was he on the other end of this uh, secret fire telegraph? I, I don't know. So we'll have to find out what kind of witchcraft that was or magic was being used there. Uh, number six, James has visions of witch doctors and, or spirits. And, uh, and I also mentioned that he saw the dead rising. You know, he, he has moments where he stops moving and lets his mind wander. And suddenly he's seeing this creature in the river and then he goes you know at the autopsy he goes into the morgue and sees this corpse rise and come at him so um he seems to stay busy otherwise he sees these visions uh there was another point where he looks out of the circular window down at the river and he sees his father or a figure at a fire down by the water so um so what's going on there does he have some kind of um spiritual or psychic ability i'm not sure number seven is kind of interesting uh james walks down by the river um he walks down by the river every morning or every day and there's they show a dog that's moving along the ruins in the wreck that's along the the shore and the old man that's that's watching over the young delaney child he says that uh, the dog takes a shining and follows um, James Delaney. And the old man says, well, th- those are wild dogs. They feed on the dead on the riverbanks, the people that commit suicide. And they they are tamed to no one. They follow no one, but they follow James. So what is it? Some kind of, uh, some kind of witchcraft? What, what's going on there? So it's strange that the dog not only... F- treats him as, as treats James as the master, but then also follows him home and into the, the Delaney residence. So, uh, we'll have to see what that, what, what's, you know, it's building that, uh, that character. So what's going on there? Number eight, probably the reason for the name of the show. One of the reasons is there's some kind of a relationship that James and his sister had. That's just beyond brother, normal brother, sister relationship. Uh, you know, she reacts very strongly when he comes in the door and she says that hell opened up and and she also goes out of her way to send a secret letter to inform James that she's happily married and she underscores happily. Um, 
you know, obviously uh, something went on there and uh, and she is his half sister. And, and we'll find out more as the show develops. Number nine, someone poisoned Horace Delaney. Who did that? Was it the East India Company? Was it uh, an assassin from them? Was it the butler? Uh, was it the was it the brother the, James' brother-in-law? Who who did that exactly? So there's a little mystery and intrigue there. And number ten, we kind of alluded to this before, but James knows all about the political intrigue and and goings on, secret goings on between the U.S. and Britain. You know, this is the War of eighteen twelve, uh, and this year is is a tough one. But there are some secret uh, peace negotiations going on. Uh, in the background that he knows all about. And he knows the importance of this spit of land, this piece of land that's right by Vancouver Island that uh, also that would potentially um, determine the boundary between the United States and Britain, but also the ownership of the island. It opened up the gateway to China. So he knows all these things. He knows the value of them. He knows all of the, the dealings going on uh, going on so um you know it's pretty remarkable considering we're in the 1800s um early 1800s and news travels slow uh people have misinformation um but the the reaction from the lords shows that he is right on point in their surprise and taken aback so um how does he know these things who's telling him this information it should be interesting to find out um, number, number 11, he knows the secrets, some of the deep, deep secrets of the Lords of the East India, East India company. Um, he knows that the chairman has done evil things and that these are evil men. Uh, he is, he cuts through the BS and the, uh, the pleasantries and just puts it right out there that he knows what they do, the evil that they do, the conquest, the rape, the plunder, uh, and that they are a huge company with, with many eyes and many tentacles that stretch out far. He, he really just comes right after them and, and no BS. He's just, he's just going right after them before essentially grunting, telling them the good day and stomping off. So, um, you know, he, he was once a cadet and, uh, and also became a corporal with an exceptional service record in the East India Company. So he's aware of what they do and how they do it. And uh, that uh, he also was, un- he was a, a young, uh, re- young uh, soldier or run- young cadet under the chairman. So he is uh, well aware of the techniques that the East India Company and this particular person does. And finally, number 12, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, it's taken a while to go through. <clears throat> you know, what did he bury at the start of the show? If you remember, or if you've seen the show, uh, it was just James Delaney and a, a, a boatsman that came ashore. Uh, the person rode him in, and he rode the horse to the top of the hill and got off, dug a hole, and put something in the bottom of the hole. Now, some people have said he p- maybe pulled something up, like some money or something, but I think he buried something down deep and it was almost up to his shoulder. So it's, uh, it's fairly deep. Um, and what was that? Was it a talisman? Was it some totem? What, what exactly did he bury? Um, we'll see if he comes back to that at some point. Uh, but it would be interesting to see how that ties into the show. So as you can see, there's just a lot of 
There's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of drama. Uh, the show is just getting going. It can go in a lot of different directions. So we'll have to see how things develop in the further episodes. And I would say that uh, the show did pretty well. Um, it had pretty good ratings. I think there were uh, 3.4 million viewers uh, here in the U.S. And, uh, and it did really well with men in that 18 to 49 uh, demographic. So it did really well. So a lot of people are tuning in. A couple things that I did uh, that I liked um, about the show. You know, I, I, I like history. I watch a lot of different shows like Master and Commander and, and like The Patriot. And there was Horace Hornblower series. You know, a lot of that period, even the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, they, they're kind of, um, they're very clean, clean environments. You know, it doesn't, they don't really show that, uh, that grit of 1814 or the 1800s in London. Um, you know, there's been other shows as well, but, uh, they're, you know, it's Hollywood clean clean with uh, my fake air quotes. But think about it. I mean, back in the day, you had barges and ships that were dedicated to moving coal and coke from different parts of the of the uh, of the island to London because that was the primary fuel of uh, of London and all the homes of that era. You know, you have dust and ash and smoke and soot everywhere, and that was life. You know, so everything has that uh, that shade of gray, and you can kind of see it in the cinematography here. Everything's just shades of gray, and the the rain too. I mean, London. Uh, I've heard that it can get pretty wet and pretty. Uh, pretty dreary at certain points of the year. So um, I really like that aspect of it. Uh, another part, I mean, if you think about it, horses, horse-drawn carriages and horses are everywhere in London at this point, and the streets uh, are pretty dirty. It generates a lot of waste. And so, um, you know, it isn't as clean as, uh, you know, a town of the Pirates of the Caribbean or or even like Salem, the, the TV show Salem. It's all very clean and and uh, the streets aren't uh, full of slop and yuck um, like I think they would be. You got to remember that sanitation and habits uh, for, for that time were modern. But man, nothing like even the 1900s or today. Just it was just a different era. And that's and that's just the way it was. And, and you can see that with uh, the costumes of the characters, you know, teeth in the clothes and, you know, just the hygiene is different. And, um, you know, the way people took care of themselves was different. Uh, you know, you might not get a bath for a year and, uh, your teeth, well, there's no dentist for you to brush your teeth with Colgate or Crest and, you know, have great teeth, you know, the British, you know, they, they had bad teeth up till recently. So <laughs> just kidding, everybody, just kidding. But, um, you know, it's a different era. It's, it's different. And so I, what I did like was the darkness and the grit of this episode. Um, obviously they want it to be pretty spooky and, uh, and, and show some of that grittiness. Uh, even, um, Tom Hardy said his character is kind of an Oliver cross of Oliver Twist with Jack the Ripper. And, and, and so that's just a, uh, he plays that well. And, and I think the cinematography really shows kind of a grittier side of London in the 1800s. Um, I did take a look at some other reviews that people have done, and I'll talk about some of the things that uh, people complained about. Uh, why not? Right. Cause, uh, cause that's what we do. We, we, we talk about that stuff too, you know. Not everything is gold. So some other other people said that uh, <clears throat> you know the first episode was slow. That uh, it, 
there were too many too many characters for the plot and you know it just was it seemed to drag a little bit i i think they need to chill you know you're setting the table for the banquet so you just have to go through the characters it all shows kind of go through this and it takes an episode or two to really get rolling um you need to know where people are and what the scenario looks like and what how it is so um I, th- I think it's okay. I think everything is, is going to turn out just fine. People are going to just, just need to relax. Like Aaron Rodgers says, relax, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Um, second complaint was mumbling. Tom Hardy does mumble in this episode. He did that in The Revenant, too. A um, little bit of mumbling, and it was hard to understand him at times. I had, I did watch it a couple times. The second time I watched it with my son, and we cranked up the volume, um, and I caught most of it. You know, that English mumbling is is tough to hear at times. And, and his character just does grunt at people. Um, you know, he seemed to get physical with the madam, and he got physical with the physician. Um, people of a little different station than the lords or the lawyer um, or even his brother-in-law, where he, he just kind of grunted at them uh, before he left them. And uh, I, I kind of laughed at that, actually. So did my son. We thought that was kind of funny. Um, some people had reaction to the dark darkness in the candle shots. Uh, even the, the thumbnail I used for, uh, for the, for this podcast, uh, where he's walking in the church. I mean, it was fairly dark in there and, and that's the way it is. I mean, we didn't have, uh, can lights and track lights and spotlights. It was candle and lamps. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of candles can light up a space, but you know, in a church or a big building or a big hall, um, or even outside, you're just not going to throw off that much light. So I do like how they're using candles and lamps and, and lamps, you know, again, more smoke and soot. Right. So, um, I, I, I didn't mind it at all, especially the final scene where he's reading the letter and he, he has a little, little itty bitty candle and burns up the letter. I thought that was great. So, um, I've heard that can be tricky to film, but Hey, for a, for a person watching, I thought it was good. So it kind of just feeds all into the, the feel of the show. A um, couple things to note. There is a language warning on this one. The show is for mature audiences, and uh, they did drop the F-bomb and the N-bomb on the show, which surprised me. I mean, this is FX and it's cable, but poof, I was really surprised they would do that. Um you know, on a show like this. So it caught me off guard. Um, and I, I wouldn't suggest, uh, little kids watching the show. Same with, uh, my next comment, there was some nudity and I was surprised to see that on FX. Granted, it wasn't full frontal, but, uh, you know, it's what you'd expect if you go into a brothel, I imagine in the 1800s. Um, shouldn't be surprised. It was cable TV and it's FX, but I thought I would just note, note it. So, um, let's see. Overall, I thought the show was pretty good. Um, you know, it, it, it certainly lays a good foundation for what's coming. Um, episode two is tomorrow. So, uh, we'll see some more of, of the grunting brooder as he stomps around London. Uh, my son loves it that he's, he's the biggest guy, uh, you know, Bane in a top hat stomping around London. I, I have to admit, I kind of like that too. Um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out, see if his um, amazing knowledge of, of the deepest and darkest secrets of the Lord's ladies and others um, 
is uh, if he keeps that up or if he's bulletproof or something like Superman. Um, I don't think he is. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, overall, I'm a fan of the time period. I enjoy uh, reading stories of the 1800s. Master and Commander is a whole series of books that are set in that time period. Um, I thought they were great books, great movie with uh, Russell Crowe, you know, and, and a, you know, there's interesting history back then. Um, history, interesting history of that time period where, you know, major uh, global powers are fighting. You've got sailing ships, the tall ships, um, you know, some adventure with uncharted territories, uncharted lands. Uh, it's just really great for storytelling. Um, so we'll see how this this whole series uh, shakes out. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll have more on Taboo after the first or after the second episode. Uh, again, if you're new to Small Scale Life, um, I've got a blog at www.smallscalelife.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, um, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, of course, you found it. Uh, we have a podcast, the weekly podcast, and that's on iTunes and Stitcher and Blueberry. And uh, I need to upload those onto this YouTube channel. I've got, uh, gosh, over 30 episodes, um, various interviews, and, and also uh, that's the, the Small Scale Life podcast. And we're also we're doing a healthy lifestyle podcast that was all tied up into one. So lots of stuff going on. And uh, this is just something new. It's kind of fun, um, you know. Uh, as we go down the path here and I get more comfortable with live streaming, I'll open up the live chat and, uh, and take comments. I think, uh, well, maybe I'll open it up anyway, see if anybody's out there. Um, we'll see if, uh, see how that goes. So I did open up the chat. Um, if anybody wants to comment. So, um, <clears throat> that being said, I will, uh, create another, uh, another podcast for, um, a seven, second episode of taboo. And, uh, you know, we'll see how, see how this goes. It's been kind of fun to do it live. And, uh, and at the same time, um, I will be having an episode on the blog, which will go on to iTunes and everything too. So if people missed it um, here on the live stream, it'll be on YouTube. It'll also be on the blog and iTunes. So that was a lot of talking, 30 minutes of talking, monologuing. Um, I don't see anybody chatting, so I'm going to close this down. Uh, we're at about 31 minutes. Uh, Glad you tuned in and we'll check you soon here on Small Scale Life. Remember to remember to continue to learn, do, and grow. This is Tom from the Small Scale Life Podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>